shaping our future, but simultaneously allowing ourselves to take things one day at a time, and maybe one moment at a time. I also recognize that in the last couple of years, our shared vision here at Trinity has quietly pressed onward. And while it undergirds all that we do, it can be hard to see. Now, don't get nervous because I'm not going to share some five-year strategic plan with you all this morning, and you'd be very hard-pressed to find anyone here, even in leadership, who desires that level of strategery, if you will. And they're the ones laughing at this moment. I will say that we do faithfully remain committed to our mission, to fostering a haven of belonging where wanderers and wonders gather to discover and embody the love of Jesus in the world. That means that we leave room to respond not to the urgencies of the day, as present as they might be even this morning, but to leave room to respond to where the Spirit moves us together steadily. And so maybe we look less like an institution or like a business, as a lot of churches might operate these days, and more like culture builders, if you will. Today we're going to begin a series that has been titled Spiritual Care in the Trinity Collective. Those are a lot of loaded words. We're going to unpack some of them. We're also entering the season that leads up to Pentecost, the time in the church year when we celebrate the imparting of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples of Jesus. And so in this season, we are going to grow in our attunement to the Spirit to our attentiveness, to our prayer, if you will. We will be leaning into who we are as a faith community, a collective of people who live in various geographical areas that we call parishes, the more mid-sized collection of folks who extend hospitality and care to one another. Each parish has a point person, no fancy titles around here. Um, If you do not know who your parish point person is, please see me because we have not done a good job of connecting you. Sometimes folks in parishes meet as small groups or with others across parishes. In this way, we vision to look more like a collective of what might be called micro churches, if you will belonging to parishes, but networked across the city. And we celebrate that as a small but mighty church family, we have a wide web of relational ties, including with those who do not attend the gathering, as we call it here at Trinity. We might call these people friends of Trinity many of whom are in the midst of their own deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, participating or not in other faith communities, or investing in various smaller expressions of even non-traditional forms of what we might call the body of Christ, and often working toward common goals with those around them. The natural result of coming together in these smaller units is relational engagement 
that leads to a deeper connection with God and to self and with our neighbors. This is a way of being the church that dissolves boundaries of us and them and includes relationships with those who might not name their experience as the good news of the kingdom of God. In this way of being the church, there is a mutuality that generates space for the Spirit to transform hearts and lives for ourselves and for our neighbors to experience the good news. So this series focuses on perhaps redefining what it means to offer spiritual care to our neighbors. In many ways, it might be akin to chaplain training or the elements of it, as we extend care through a way of being that is rooted in and motivated and shaped by our faith. Each week, we're going to explore a different theme together. And while we do so, we are going to follow the lectionary, which is the set of scripture texts that have been chosen and used throughout the world by various faith communities. We aim to hold space for various forms of dialogue in this portion of our gathering. Hopefully you won't get too nervous about that. We do like to mix things up a bit. We're going to engage in some dialogue in a way that allows us to be in process. We're not going to tie things up with a nice, tidy bow, make things um, easy for ourselves. <laughs> and while it's important that we talk about these themes, we plan to follow up this summer with experiences that will allow us to put these themes into practice. All of this is what we will be exploring as spiritual care in the Trinity Collective. We're going to jump right into our text this morning. We're going to walk through it kind of quickly. Um, I'm going to do as I sometimes do, uh, and I'm going to stop throughout the reading, and I'm going to make some observations or just provide my comments. We are going to be reading John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, and I will be reading from the First Nations version. If you did not bring it, well, we weren't really planning to necessarily continue um, utilizing this version. However, you never know. Surprise. Um, sometimes it's the best translation, so I have chosen it this morning. All right, John chapter 20, verse 19. It was now late in the same day, the first day of the week. That's the indicator that it is still the day of resurrection. It is still Resurrection Sunday. We are still in Easter, friends. His followers were all hiding behind locked doors in fear of being captured by the tribal leaders. So we've got the disciples who are locked up, if you will. They've holed themselves up in what might be considered an upper room, terms that are used elsewhere in Scripture. They had remained in Jerusalem and not gone back to Galilee after Jesus' death. This seems a little bit interesting. The text isn't clear as to why they remained behind. There are all kinds of reasons I could imagine that they might stay behind. Maybe they feel a bit paralyzed. Not sure. And while locked doors could 
indicate possible fear of facing persecution or arrest by the Judeans, this detail is meant to highlight Jesus' appearance as miraculous. And suddenly, Creator sets free, who is Jesus himself, was standing in front of them, and he said, Peace be with you. I find it interesting that Jesus visits in the midst of their, maybe their darkest hour. In their fear, in their uncertainty, in their anxiety, in their grief, their weariness, or simply in their waiting for something. This account of Jesus' appearance after the resurrection is about historical evidence, okay? But it's also about the nature of what it means to be Jesus' disciple in the era of resurrection and for Jesus to comfort their weary hearts. Jesus says, peace be with you. This is a standard greeting of that time, and Jesus would have likely spoken it in Hebrew, and it would have sounded like, Shalom Aleichem, or in Arabic, Salam Aleichem. These probably sound familiar, and they should, because they are greetings used, particularly within the Muslim world today. And this is more than a greeting. Peace be with you is more than a greeting. It is the summation of Jesus' work and presence in the world. Peace is the gift of creator's good road. It is the gift of the kingdom. Verse 20, he then showed them where the iron nails had pierced his hands and where the spear had cut into his side. When they saw their wisdom keeper, the, the hearts of his followers were filled with joy. He said to them again, peace be with you. In the same way the father above has sent me, I am now sending you. course he had to prove it was himself he might have looked a little different maybe a bit like a stranger to them and as he repeats peace be with you and then adding as the father sent me so I send you I can't help but think that the women already grasped this they were the first ones right to be sent and to share the good news of Jesus's resurrection Verse 22, he blew his breath on them and said, you will breathe in and receive the Holy Spirit with his wisdom and guidance. If you release others from their bad hearts and broken ways, they are released. If you do not release them, they are not released. So he breathes the Spirit upon them. He inspires them, if you will. But I want you to notice this is an important point. This inspiration is tied to the empowerment of the disciples to continue Jesus's ministry of releasing. I love that this translation uses this word here, release. Do you know how it's often otherwise translated? Forgiveness of sins. Jesus empowers the disciples to extend a releasing of their neighbors. Jesus imparts this strength and companionship for the journey ahead. They are empowered as God's 
agents. In many ways, Jesus is fulfilling his earlier promise then not to leave them as well. Verse 24 looks like his brother, who is Thomas, one of the original 12 followers, was not there when Creator Sets Free showed himself to the others. They told him, we have seen the wisdom keeper with our own eyes. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into them and put my hand into the hole in his side, I will not believe. Hmm. Now, this begs the question, where was Thomas during Jesus' first visit? I like to think maybe he wasn't afraid. He wasn't in the room with them, locked behind those doors. Maybe he didn't doubt so much, or at least in the way, or to the extent that he's often portrayed. Where was he? Yet he hadn't been there, so the others told him what happened, and he insisted that he see for himself. Eight days later, his followers were gathered together again, and looks like his brother Thomas was with them this time. I added the this time. The doors were all locked, but Creator sets free, who's Jesus, came in and stood before them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he turned to looks like his brother and said, Look closely at my hands and touch my scars with your finger. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Then put away your doubts and trust in me. You are my honored chief and my creator, he said. It's like deja vu here. Starting with, peace be with you. Jesus extends the invitation to Thomas to touch him, to touch his wounds, which of course is a bit gross. But I do wonder, had no one else yet touched his wounds? There's something beautifully significant about not only being invited, but then touching Jesus' wounds. And I wonder what it's like for us to not only be invited by Jesus, but then to also touch the wounds of those in front of us today. Verse 29, Now you believe because you have seen me, Jesus said to him, a greater blessing will rest on the ones who have not seen but still believe. Maybe, blessed or makarios, that same word that's used in what we consider the Beatitudes. Blessed, maybe, are those who receive the good news from the women and from others who are easily dismissed or share the ways of Creator's good road despite them being among the persecuted or among those who might be written off. Creator sets free, did many more powerful signs before the eyes of his followers that have not been written down in this book. But I have told you this much so you will believe that Creator sets free is the chosen one, the Son of the Great Spirit. Yes, Jesus performed many other signs not written, including the half that's never been told about the women who followed Jesus and about their time and the teaching that they heard. I kind of imagine the writer's expression coming out more like this. Oh, here 
We wrote this one down for you so you'd believe us. When you put your trust in all that his name represents, the life of beauty and harmony he has promised to all will be yours. We'll read that again. When you put your trust in all that his name represents, the life of beauty and harmony he has promised to all will be yours. This is peace. It is a peace that empowers you to release those around you. The same release extended in declaring peace be with you as we see no stranger. Valerie Kaur, in her book, See No Stranger, which I've mentioned several times at this point, and I highly recommend that you pick it up, says this. What has been an ancient spiritual truth is now increasingly verified by science. We are all inevitably part of one another. We share a common ancestry with everyone and everything alive on earth. The air we breathe contains atoms that have passed through the lungs of ancestors long dead. Our bodies are composed of the same elements created deep inside the furnaces of long dead stars. We can look upon the face of anyone or anything around us and say, as a moral declaration and a spiritual, cosmological, and biological fact, you are a part of me I do not yet know. We hear this expressed in the African philosophy of Ubuntu. I am because you are. And in the Mayan precept, in la'ech, you are my other me. In much the same way the disciples began to experience Jesus in this story, as a part of them, they did not yet know. And they were sent to share the same. To see no stranger, then, is a way of embodying the love of Jesus in the world. And as Kaur writes, love is dangerous business. If you choose to see no stranger, then you must love people even when they do not love you. You must wonder about them even when they refuse to wonder about you. You must even protect them when they are in harm's way. This is the way of Jesus what becomes second nature, if you will, on Creator's Good Road. And so we, like chaplains, can offer spiritual care to our neighbor through a way of being that is rooted in, motivated, and shaped by our faith as we embody the love of Jesus and as we see no stranger. I would like to make some space for dialogue. Don't get too antsy because I'm just going to dialogue with Joel. Surprise, surprise. Joel, you can come on up here. I've invited Joel to engage in some conversation with me and basically just to let you all witness it. We've done this before. It's been quite a while. Um, and as I mentioned, um, we're not going to tie this up with any 
Heidi Bow this morning. We have not rehearsed this, though Joel and I talk quite a bit, as you might imagine. There's no agenda here, okay? Um, but I do hope it's helpful for you all to kind of witness our conversation and to bring some encouragement or challenge to you as we go from here into our weeks and all the spaces that we're in in our everyday lives so that we might see no stranger. Joel, thanks for being willing. (laughs) Will you share a story or an experience that you've had in taking on the posture of seeing no stranger, maybe offering peace, if you will, as an extension of care for a neighbor? sent out these questions uh, I'm going to try not to go too long y'all um, but uh, when this popped up I thought back to I think the first time when I feel like my heart was open to the like the release that you talked about of the lines that had been created for me and that I eagerly embraced. Um, I, I worked as a, as a youth minister for the first few years or year or so after, out of college. And so went and studied ministry and the Bible in school and then went and worked for a church and then was called out of vocational ministry, which then led me to working retail. Um, <laughs> which I'm and, sure you excel that. Oh, it was... It was for Apple, and those that know me, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and for the first time in my 23 years, I found myself, as a ministry student, as a Bible student, I didn't find myself often around people who didn't say that they followed Jesus. I was always surrounded by people that said that they followed Jesus. Um, but working at Apple, I got to, day in and day out, get to know people that didn't say that they followed Jesus. Um, I got to, in the midst of, if you've ever been to an Apple store on a Tuesday night or Mm -hmm. on Black Friday, um, it almost (laughs) always looks the same. And uh, so in the thick of hundreds of people all wanting to buy something, get something fixed, we got to know each other. We had each other's backs. And for the first time, I think, um, in staying up late to reset the, uh, reset the store and we didn't have the things that I needed, that we needed to reset the store, make it look the way that Apple wants it to look like, sitting beside, arm down a table, and my coworkers arm down the table, talking about that she's a witch. And working towards the same thing together and noticing that we've got each other's backs And what I was taught to be scared of was my friend. Um, Being able to work beside somebody and on a break have a deep and in-depth conversation about the Jewish response to women's reproductive rights. And then for them to listen and for us to be in a conversation about where both of us were in that, not to prove anything to anyone else but to learn about one another in a different context from a place that I was taught to be afraid of that person.
person. And I think that time, wow, over 10 years ago at this <laughs> point, really let, like, laid the foundation of the people that I was taught to be afraid of. The people that I had never had the opportunity to be in relationship with before weren't scary. <laughs> um, were not a threat to me or my faith. And I didn't need to be a threat to them and their faith, but we could be together in that space, hold it, and and see parts of one another that we hadn't known before, that reflected parts of ourselves. And so I, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Some of those friends are still my friends to this day. Um, and I think also talking about, I don't wanna jump to the next question too quick, but- He has the questions, but that's about um, the extent. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that, was, that was freeing, that mm -hmm. was release. Mm -hmm. That was um, learning that the walls that were set up to protect me were hindering me from seeing the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. um, of engaging in a way. I think we see Jesus engage um, instead of in the cloister and the fortress that I was a part of and helped build in many ways. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share about the release piece? Yeah. I, the, the translation from release <laughs> and forgiveness, I think sometimes for me in my, in my journey, finding that I was the one that was condemning myself more than the church, more than God, or sometimes it was a faith leader that was condemning me and drawing that line and saying, um, no, you are bad, no, this is bad, um, and not, not erasing that entirely, but finding the release of where that authority mm. lied and finding that I, I had developed in myself this shame that I felt very comfortable in, mm. and I felt very comfortable transferring that shame to others. Mm. Um, whether it was the same, whether they believed a thing that was similar to me or believed a thing that was not similar to me, I had thoughts on that, and I <laughs> felt that people should know that. Um, and <laughs> for me, mm. that the, the blending of those lines, of seeing a friend and a neighbor um, of, and being able to see the Imago Dei, the image of God in my neighbor in that way, not something to be corrected, but something to be, mm. we, we then can then walk together in a new way um, that, that allows the spirit of God to do its work and yeah. to be, um, and then we can then I think be a conduit in a, in a whole, new way as God works in both of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I felt a, a large release. Yeah. Um, and also being able to say, hey, no, I'm not here. I'm not here to tell you that um, that you being Jewish is wrong. No, that's, that's not my story. That's not the story I see. 
in scripture that, that you uh, that you being a practicing Muslim no like we have so much to learn and what when when truth sets us free mm-hmm. what does that really look mm-hmm. like and can I think it's in relationship it yeah. gives it opens the gates for us to have relationship and walk with one another as opposed to hey if you want to be a part of our club mm-hmm. come on in but look like us mm-hmm. act like us Mm. I'm just going to soak in that bit about like the shame piece, mm. like releasing one another from shame. Yeah. Like I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm back there and I'm holding on to that piece. Can you share with us how you receive um, inspiration or the breath of the Spirit um, kind of daily for what might be considered this call to follow Creator's Good Road? What does that look like in your daily life or affect you now? Well, what I'm going to say is why I prepared because I was going to talk about Great. other things and other people. But while you were talking, <laughs> I was thinking about myself a little, a little bit more. It's so much easier to think about, oh, yeah, how out, outside of myself. Um, but for me, going back to that shame, um, in, the best, in the best ways, the tradition that was handed to me meant so well by the shame I received and the shame <laughs> that, I, that I embodied. Um, but I think in my journey and what that looks like and feeling that release, when what I hear Jesus say and what I hear in the, the work and the words of the prophets, when I first, I think, really felt it lived, was when I realized in different ways from my friends and from my now wife that y'all aren't going anywhere when you know who I am. Mm -hmm. That God's not going anywhere when I allow myself to be honest with God of who I am. Mm-hmm. All this shame that has said, this is bad, this is bad, get this better, like do this different. Actually, this one core part of you that you can't change, even how hard you've tried, like that's, I love you. And like, that is a part of who you are and I, that's beautiful. And to be able to see that in me and to know that, oh, when I forget this, when I do that, like, I, guys, I have ADHD. I'm going to show up late. I'm going to forget things. I'm going to let you down. That's how this works. That's who I am. But there's beauty that comes in that. Mm-hmm. And when knowing that, oh, I for, what did I sign up for to bring? Oh, I missed this entire, <laughs> this entire thing. And for my friends, for my wife to be able to learn and say, I, we understand you. Mm-hmm. And we love you, even though, from my perspective, what's been told, you let people down, Joel. What mm-hmm. I've told myself, you let, you're going to continue to. You're, like, but to be able to, like, you're, God's not leaving. And I see that in people in this room. Mm-hmm. I see that in people who aren't in this room that live here, that live other places. But the ability, yeah, for me, that release comes as I'm reminded when I forget mm. that God isn't leaving me. Mm-hmm. 
for who God's created me to be. And as I learn to love that more, neither is this community, neither are my friends, neither is my family. And I think that's where that release, that forgiveness, who, who remains to condemn me? Yeah. And I, I was finding people in myself this whole time, and it was tough and it was virtuous to mm-hmm. find those that would condemn me. Mm-hmm. And and now I see I don't see the con- those that condemn me. Yeah. Probably they don't have as loud a voice. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah I appreciate you. Uh, in your honesty, and um, I think what you're sharing is is the heart and prayer for all of us yeah. to experience um, the same. Yeah. I'm going to pray. Yeah. Mm. God, you uh, look at us. You have created us in your image. And there is so much beauty and goodness in each one of us and in those around us. This week, as um, we hold on to what has been shared through our sibling, Joel, what has been shared through scripture, through the inspiration that we receive from you as we breathe in and as we breathe out. Would you, God of mystery and goodness and love, empower us to love as Jesus loves. To extend peace to those around us. To release one another from all that binds us. That we might faithfully follow you and experience the good news of the road, the way that you offer us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. All right. You can turn to your Lord's Table Liturgy and join 